This is Frank Dominguez for WDAV's Piedmont Arts. On Wednesday, June 30th at 7.30 p.m., WDAV continues the noteworthy virtual concert series presented in partnership with the Fair Play Music Equity Alliance. The series brings together gifted black and brown artists from the Charlotte music scene with classical musicians for some genre-blending community-building music. Next up, we're thrilled to present singer-songwriter and cultural organizer Kisol with the participation of violinist Carrie Giles and cellist Jeremy Lamb. They're all joining me now via Zoom. Welcome, everyone. Kisol, you've covered a lot of ground in a relatively short amount of time, beginning in 2016 with pop-up shows and house concerts here around Charlotte with Queens Collective. What were those early performances like, and what was your objective then when you were just uh, starting out? I think at that point, I was just eager to finish undergrad um, because I had this burning desire to make music and do shows. And when I was living in Charleston, a lot of my friends would throw house concerts and have acoustic things in their backyards and punk bands in the living rooms. And I had never seen anything like that before. So I wanted to bring a bit of that magic that I experienced in Charleston back home to Charlotte. And that was the real drive. Um, so I asked around a bunch of my friends, like, does anybody have shows or thinking about throwing something? And they said, well, we've been wanting to throw shows, um, haven't really done anything yet, or we hadn't been able to play at the, the big venues. So we just started doing it ourselves. And were you interested in this idea of uh, community uh, building and uh, bringing people together and uh, the kind of activism that you're known for uh, as early as that? So yeah, around that same time, it was also a lot of political activity happening. I think Black Lives Matter was really popping off in those days. And when I got back to Charlotte that year, it was right after Keith Lamont Scott. And um, a lot of my friends in the music community were really eager to do something and build something, especially in response to that tragedy. So um, that's kind of where the, the pop-up shows really started picking up momentum. It was a lot of them were places where organizers and artists would meet and kind of breathe some fresh air in a cultural environment that can be very um, oppressive, uh, especially for um, queer and trans people of color. It's not always so hospitable for us here in the South, but I think the house shows and concerts were kind of like a safe space and a welcoming space. And it was our space that we made it ourselves wherever we could. And um, it was community building. And sometimes it was fundraising for certain people's like needs, um, especially in the, for organizers needs. And um, yeah, I think, something that happened a lot of people met each other um, who were working on different things at these kind of events and would start working together on, on different projects even years later um, a lot of those initial relationships happened in like 2016 2017 that we're seeing like the fruits of that now carrie in addition to playing in this concert with kiesel you've had a central role in putting together all of the noteworthy concerts Tell me what your role has been and why you wanted to be involved with this project. I was especially thrilled when I got a call from Will and Daly um, to see if I'd be interested in kind of coordinating um, the classical music side of, of this uh, 
program and oh just for so many reasons i love it i mean selfishly from from but what by the time i was a five-year-old i wanted to be a rock star i love all time types of music i love playing fiddle i love playing you know i i love every every type of music and so being able to indulge that side and and get outside of the beethoven box perhaps and and play some um some other types of music and, and be expressive in that way i was all in plus the idea and we talked about it some of my colleagues classical colleagues and i recently have talked about the the, the realization that as classical musicians in charlotte we are very much isolated from the rest of the music community and so we don't really know what's going on um, with them and and so being able to learn about new artists in in charlotte what was thrilling i mean key soul is here i mean it, that's so exciting like and, but otherwise i we would have never known that key soul was in charlotte making music at the same time so being able to as we say build those bridges and make new relationships and be able to come together and challenge each other and, and make and create music together is just a wonderful experience. Jeremy, just a glance at your bio shows me that in some ways you are typical of the working classically trained musician. Uh, mm. You with the Charlotte Symphony now and you've played with a number of regional orchestras, but you've also got experience on Broadway as a musician in the pit with Aladdin and you're a luthier. Also, are classical musicians overachievers or is this just necessary part of life for you guys? I don't know about the overachieving part, um, <clears throat> but it is kind of necessary if you want to make a living at it. All the orchestras and the, the, my, my classical resume um, didn't really pay a lot overall. And uh, so, you know, I, I tacked on the, the, the luthier part and now I rehair bows for people in the symphony. and. In Aladdin, also, that was um, Broadway feel, of course, that's uh, very different from, from it, most things you're going to play in a symphony orchestra concert. But I also really enjoyed working with some singers, and uh, I played in a bossa nova band um, in New York for a little while. And um, But since moving to Charlotte, I really hadn't done anything that was not directly through the symphony. And so I was elated when Carrie called me and said that she had found somebody that she was so excited about, Kisol, and... Um, and to kind of um, to, to, to write our own parts and also to work with Carrie and see what she came up with was really just, just um, a breath of fresh air. Looking at the Zoom screens, I know uh, with some certainty that I'm the oldest person in this conversation. And I can tell you this been a real kind of sea change. Uh, I can remember the days when classical musicians were really resistant to this idea of even playing pops concerts, you know, a repertory that, that that wasn't the classical repertory. Uh, so Kisol, you've come along at just the right moment to tap into this, where the classical musicians are not only willing, but eager uh, to work with you. And, and you bring a lot to the game as well. Since those early days that we spoke about, you've studied at Harvard with musical greats such as Esperanza Spalding. You've released your debut album. You've toured the country several times. And you've also spoken at conferences about musical activism. Why is that element of your performing career important to you? And how does it manifest in your work? I think creating culture is always an active activism um, because you're envisioning something new that doesn't exist. And for me, it's like 
going from what I've learned through my own family's history, academic studies, um, meeting and learning from people in the marches and on the streets, um, all of this information I'm taking in and I'm translating it into either music that paints a picture of, of the world I wanna see or possibilities that aren't yet here, but could be at the conferences and um, kind of speaking engagements. I try to do that in the, in the workshop sense, working with like college radio students to figure out how to stay relevant as college radio stations. Um, did that in California and cultural equity is a big thing. I'm working on with other groups um, in Boston. There's a group I work for um, called Arts Connect International. And we're all about creating cultural equity in and through the arts. And, and one of those ways that's creating venues and, and spaces for artists, working artists to host meetings, um, give workshops, just have physical space to meet because it's so difficult uh, to afford that in so many contexts. So working with, with local governments and foundations to make those a reality. Much like Jeremy, I have to wear a lot of hats as well. So I'm not, I'm a musician and an organizer and a consultant and a graphic designer and a freelancer, all of these things at different times. Um, but I do think that the through line through all of my work is building the type of world that I feel is possible that doesn't yet exist not only from what I think is right, but from all the stories that I've gathered from living in different places and, and organizing with other people um, to build the world that we deserve to live in. Carrie and Jeremy, what has it been like adding this experience with Keysoul to your diverse musical portfolios? Well, it was definitely a challenge. I, I think it's interesting, like, again, I'm gonna go back to my childhood, but as a child, I, I was very much interested in improving and just had this you know, this freedom to do that. But as classical musicians, oftentimes, I think it's a little bit trained out because we're, we're so scripted and like we, we, the uh, worship of the word on the page, so to say, like how can we sync up like as a symphony, like we have to be very fine tuned in order to sync up such a large group of people. And, and so I, I have become afraid of improving and I, don't think I'm the only classical musician that would say that. So it really was a chance to to learn and, or relearn a new skill. So I had a, a great time like just listening. I had to like listen over and over and over to Kiesel's music till I kind of got it in my in my blood and in my body. And then I would just practice, you know, improving along and making up things and 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 trying to see what felt like it flowed or fit and um but that was that's something I haven't ever been asked to do before and then having to do it with Jeremy as well so I'm not just creating my part but then we had to like really work together and sometimes it was such a great learning opportunity just on on coming together because you know there was definitely a situation Jeremy had one idea I had another idea we had to like figure out how to communicate and how to compromise and how to make things fit together. Um, it very much reminds me, you know, my five-year-old is, is learning how to work well with others. And, and as an adult, I'm still learning how to work well with others. So this was a, a great and a wonderful and rewarding challenge. 
I agree with almost everything that Carrie said, especially the the fear of improv. Um, you don't do that a lot. There can be a sense of great freedom with not having a part to look at, but there can also be um, just sheer terror. For me, though, I think the one experience that always sticks with me, when you listen to a song that that's good and that you like, and afterward, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to put cello in there. I'm thinking, that sounds good. Like, I don't, I don't want to touch it. But I'm being asked to, to add cello into it. And so then I have to sort of override this thing of like, you, you don't, you know, if you see a painting on a wall, you don't want to go up there and start painting over it. Like, that's the feeling I get a lot. And I, I'm trying to find things that I think will, will improve or, or add something new and it won't take attention away from what's already there. It's something about you. That was the one thing where I really wanted to add something and I couldn't come to anything other than just asking Joseph to just like, here, can I add in a 30 second duet interlude here? Cause I don't want to like, I don't want to tinker with anything. And so he agreed and, and we put that in and it, it was a really rewarding experience. Kiso, let's wrap up with you. We've gotten a good idea about your professional passions. What can you tell listeners about your signature sound? What should they expect when they join us for this streamed event? Just to tag on to, to what Jeremy and Carrie have said about the arrangements, I learned a lot from their different approaches to composing things. And Something About You is probably my favorite from the whole project we did together. I think the feeling that I wanted to get across was something classic, like cool jazz, something timeless, cinematic. And I think we, we kind of got there, um, but we're going to go on a ride. There's some electronic production that is involved in one of the songs. There's some things that have more um, rhythm to them, some more like Latin percussion. Um, so there's, there's kind of a, a sampler of, of different influences. We brought it together in a way that was fun and classy and, and different. My guests are the performers for the next virtual concert in the new Noteworthy series from WDAV and Fair Play Music Equity Initiative. Singer, songwriter, guitarist, and cultural organizer Kiso, CSO musicians, violinist Carrie Giles, and cellist Jeremy Lamb. The concert streams on Wednesday, June 30th at 7.30 p.m. You can get more information and find a link to the Facebook Live event at noteworthyclassical.org. Thanks to all of you for speaking with me. It was great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for hosting this. This is Frank Dominguez for WDAV's Piedmont Arts.